Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rama.org.au forward slash media. Uh, there are five building blocks that Tony um, introduced in this series, and we're looking today at conflict. And um, so <clears throat> if you get the news uh, by email, you would see that we have uh, titled it together with a war zone. Some people's relationships are war zones, not just their marriage relationships, but maybe, maybe friendship relationship or family relationships, work relationships can be war zones. And so today we're going to look at five bombs that destroy and shred relationships. And what we're going to look through the Word of God is ways to deactivate these bombs, disengage them, neutralize them through the truth of the Word of God so that your relationships can stay intact. All right, so we're going to look at five different bombs, and the first one we're going to look at is this, lies. This is, a, this is a, a, a big bomb, lies. The deactivation of lies is the truth, the truth. But let's look first at lies. Why is lies a bomb? Jesus said in John the 8th chapter in verse 44, you're of your, you're, you are the children of your father, the devil. He was talking to a religious group of people that were actually separating uh, people from God. And he said, you're of, your, you're of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. Look at this. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth. The devil hates the truth. Why do you think he hates the truth? What did Jesus say the truth would do to you? The truth would make you free. And the devil is all about binding people, so he hates the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, it's consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So why, is, why are lies a bomb to a relationship, vital relationships in your life? Because they destroy they re- destroy the basis on which trust is built, and that's truth. Lies open the door to the father of lies. You'd never purposefully uh, open the door to the devil in your life. The devil is knocking on the door of your re- different relationships in your life. You'd never say, well, come in here and wreak havoc in my, in my marriage or in my friendships. You'd never do that. However, when you lie you open up the door to the father of lies. And the devil, Jesus said in John 10, came to steal and to destroy. So when you lie, you open up the door to killing, stealing, and destroying of that relationship. Uh, Sometimes we, because lies are something, it's amazing how no one had to teach any of us how how to lie. We just all came by it honestly. (laughs) But I don't know if there's anybody in here that never lied, ever. It's an interesting thing that it's something that's one of the first things that kids learn to do that's naughty, that's bad. Lie. And it's just indicative of 
that we're in this flesh that has been affected by sin. And, um, and so lying opens up the door to the devil. And one thing, one thing about it is that it, as I said, breaks trust. Trust is what um, ensures intimacy or closeness in a relationship. And when lies happen within a relationship, when there is truth not within a relationship, it unravels um, trust and it, it puts barriers of untrust where you think you have to defend. And it loses, you lose transparency because lies, within lies, you cannot be transparent. And so, um, in Proverbs, the sixth chapter in verse 17, it says here that there are six things that God hates. Can you just say hates? He hates them. He loves people, absolutely, but he hates lies. And we're going to see that in this next verse. Verse 17, haughty eyes, a lying tongue. Right next to a lying tongue is hands that kill the innocent. A lot of times we excuse lying where we say, well, you know, just a little white lie or, you know, I was just lying to just so that it didn't hurt them or I was lying, you know, I didn't want to get into trouble or whatever. And so we give reasons for lying, but look at where it comes in the list of things that, that God hates. It's right next to murdering. And the reason why is it does open up the door to the father of lies, who is the devil, who is the killer, who is a murderer from the beginning. And it, is, it can work death to a relationship. Now, Jesus said this. He said, I am, in John the 14th chapter, he said, I am the way, the, the truth. He didn't just say, I see, say the truth. I am the truth. And also in Hebrews, the 13th chapter, if you're taking notes, excuse me, Hebrews, the 6th chapter and verse 18, it says it is impossible for God to lie. Do you know why we can trust God? We can trust his promises. We can trust his word. We can trust, trust his leading. Is because he has never lied. And this verse of scripture says it is impossible for God to lie because he is truth. Titus also gives a verse of scripture, verse one, chapter 1 and verse 2, it says, he cannot lie. Aren't you thankful that God can't lie? You can trust him. Not only that, but Jesus, when he was talking about the Holy Spirit, uh, the Holy Spirit has different names, but one name that Jesus called the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Truth. So the Holy Spirit, who is our helper, our strengthener, our standby, our comforter. The Holy Spirit is our counselor. When we tell lies, he can't support that. He can't help us lie. He can't help us cover our tracks in a lie. God, who wants to help us, even if we get into a mess ourselves, even if we get into by something that we've done wrong, he wants to help us. Not just excuse it. He wants to help us. Get us up out of it. Walk with us. Bring us from victory and out of defeat and into victory. But if we lie, the spirit of truth can't help us lie. And so when we stick with the truth, even though it seems like the truth hurts, 
and it's real humbling to tell the truth, you position yourself literally for the Holy Spirit to be your helper. And you put yourself in a place where God will work and walk with you, walk you out of that ugly place and come into a place of victory. Let's look at Ephesians 4 and verse 25. So it says, this is pretty frank, stop telling lies. (laughs) But you guys never lied since you were children, did you? Yeah, you're laughing pretty loud, Annie. (laughs) Lying is an interesting thing. It's something maybe that starts with children, but you can, if you practice doing it enough, it gets to be habitual. I remember when I was little, uh, I must have been six, but I had an overwhelming desire to carve my name in my mother's beautiful, or carve in my mother's beautiful upright piano. So I carved my sister's name, and she got in trouble for it. Nobody taught me to do that. I figured it all out with my ugly self. But if you keep on doing it, you can get real good at lying and covering your tracks. But God is the truth. And so he says here, stop telling lies. Let us tell our our neighbors the truth, for we're all parts of the same body. You actually hurt and harm yourself. Open up the door to the devil and to yourself when you tell lies. Now, next verse. Let's not lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. It is not what we, as children of God who cannot lie, regenerated by the Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of truth, called on the name of the Lord. We sing songs that he is our Lord, and Jesus is the truth. It's not becoming of us to lie. It's not of our nature. So what do we do about it? Well, to disengage this bomb, Psalms 119, if you'll go to verse 20, 163, it says, I hate and abhor falsehood. I love this because it may not be something that you say, but it's what your heart believes. As a, as a child of God, you hate lies, even if you've lied out your mouth, even as late as, as, as recent as today. Your heart hates lies. Your heart loves the truth. So can we just put this in our mouth right now? Say, I abhor all falsehood. Say this, I hate lies. I love truth. And the truth makes me free. All right. Now let's look at the, let's look at the next one, the next bomb. The next bomb is anger. Mm. And it is deactivated, anger is deactivated by kindness. Now, there are some, there's some collateral damage from anger. And this bomb is very destructive. If you look at the, this list of uh, how anger affects, the, affects us individually with headaches, digestive problems, insomnia, anxiety, depression, high blood pressure. This is, this is in medical uh, findings. High blood pressure, skin problems, heart attack, stroke, weakens the immune system, gives fatigue and memory loss. Back up and look at these two, anxiety and depression. Those are repercussions of anger in the soul. And these affect relationships. 
people that you love are, are dramatically affected by anger in your life, not just to them, but also when there is anger working in your life, it works depression in you and anxiety in you, which puts at risk the relationships and works hardship on the relationships of people that you care about. Now, in James, the first chapter, notice what it says here. Human anger does not produce the righteousness of, uh, that God desires. Through anger, you will never move people to do the right thing in God. Have you ever tried it? I have. You just, you see, if we can, we can um, terrorize them into doing the right thing. And we can condemn them into doing the right thing. We can yell at them to do the right thing. Oh, yeah, that'll fix it, really not. And so... Nothing good comes out of, out of anger. Instead, it actually drives wedges, anger does, and drives people away. If you look at Ephesians, the fourth chapter and verse 26. Now, this is curious verse of Scripture in the Bible. It says, be angry, but don't sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. How can you be angry, but not sin? Well, everybody, and I do mean everybody who is alive, who is not uh, so uh, maybe on drugs that they don't feel anything, or comatose that they don't, aren't aware of anything, anybody who is, is alive uh, will have opportunity to get agitated. Doesn't that help you to know you're alive today? Somebody is going to, hey, somebody's going to tick you off. Somebody's going to say something that uh, you don't like. Something's going to happen that rubs you your fur the wrong way. Something's going to happen just because you are, you're, you're alive. Anger, actually, that emotion uh, is something that God has in a holy way. Anger that we're talking about today is a bomb, it's destructive, and there's nothing destructive in God. However, this verse of Scripture says you can be angry, but don't sin. Well, how can you do both? Just being alive in this world will give you opportunity to get mad, to get angry, to get frustrated, but it's what you do next. How do you respond next? with your mouth, with your fist, with your attitudes, what are you going to do next? Or how about this? This is also something against the Word of God. Just cram it down and just try to not do anything with it. Just hide it. That's also not right. Philippians, the fourth chapter, we won't go there, but says very clearly, do not fret, do not have anxiety about anything, but in everything, with all prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your request be made known unto God. That seems so holy, but let me tell you what, the throne room is not just for pretty people who don't have any problems. Not. When you go to a doctor's office, is it full of absolutely vibrantly healthy people? No. 
A doctor's office is full of people who do have problems, and the throne room is absolutely for people who need mercy, and they need to have grace in the time of need. And when something has ticked you off, you are in the time of need. And if somebody needs mercy, and you don't feel like you have any to give, you better run to the throne room, and you can let God know what it is that has happened. He's not going to kick you out of the throne room until you get all your ducks in order. It's actually there that you do get your ducks in order. You tell him, ah, did you just hear what I heard? Sometimes you need to excuse yourself. Go to another, another place. Go excuse yourself. Get some grace. Get some mercy. Mercy to give to some other people. Grace that helps you. Gives you wisdom to know how to, how to do what needs to have happen. You do not cram your anger down and just cork it. You've got to deal with it in the throne room with God and process it back and let him help you. Praise God. Keep going. Keep going. Neither give place to the devil. Go back to verse 27. Sorry about that. It says neither give place. And when we give place to explosive anger, it opens, an, it's another way we open the door to the devil in precious relationships. Parents with children, spouses with each other, friends with one another. When we give place to anger, we're bombing that relationship by opening up the door to, to, to the devil through, uh, through anger. Now go on to verse 31, it says, get rid of bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. But I love verse 32. Instead, be kind. You know, sometimes we think that the things that came from the fall and things of the devil are the stronger things, like hate. It seems so strong, but you know what's stronger than hate? Love. You know what's stronger than anger? Kindness. It deactivates the bomb of anger in your life. When you go into the throne room and you tell him what's frustrating, instead of processing it with one another and feeding each other's anger, when you process it this way and you get mercy and find grace to help, what ends up happening is you're able then to give kindness instead of anger to people and explosions of anger that break relationships apart and drive wedges. Be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Thank God. Aren't you glad that when you go through the throne of God, or go to the throne of God when you've done something wrong, that God's face isn't like beat red and mad? And he's waving his arms at you. And his voice is all, oh. When, when we've done something wrong, he invites us to come and receive mercy. Now, let's go on and let's look at the next bomb. The next bomb is selfishness. Mm, it's deactivated by its opposite. Doing exactly the opposite of it giving. Like any other bomb, the more you do it, the more you're not aware that you're doing it. 
becomes a habitual way of just doing, just acting, selfishness. And let's look what, if we'll go straight away to 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 5 if you can. For 1 Corinthians 13, of course, you know this to be the love chapter. It does not, love does not demand its own way. I want, I want, give me, make me happy. You're here on the earth to please me. Everyone is, actually. You know, it's not taking. It is actually giving. Now, if you'll go back and we'll get this definition. The Greek definition for love, you know, is, is uh, agape, or the Greek word for love is agape, which we love. The Hebrew word for love is actually a very beautiful word as well. It's the word ahava. And it's based on the word hav. It means to give, and it makes love giving. And so people that say, oh, I love him so much. He's so good to me. I love him. He's so nice to me. Or she says, he says, oh, I love her. She's beautiful. Or I love her. She, she's so supportive. That isn't this kind of love. This kind of love has nothing to do with what people give you. Pleasure that people give you. This kind of love, the God kind of love, is not a taking love, it is a giving love. So it says this, what more, what's more, is the numerical value of Ahava, which of course, in the Hebrew language has numerical values given to each letter. And so you get messages, dual messages, not just with the meaning of the word, but also with the meaning of the, of the number. And so, the numerical value of Ahava is 13, which is the same as the numerical value of Ikad, meaning oneness. By giving in love, a couple becomes unified as one. Furthermore, mutual giving is double Ahava, or 26, which is the numerical value of God's name, denoting a state in which their relationship is infused with the divine presence. So, when you say, I love you, it's not because, oh, you make me so happy. You, you do all the things I love. You're just given to me also. I just love you. I love you. That is not the kind of love that God has. He loved us before we gave him anything. In fact, he loved us when we were enemies. In fact, that's why we do love him is because he did what? He loved us. He loved us first. And when we didn't give him, give back to him, he kept giving to us. Aren't we thankful that he never quit giving to us? It's his kind of love. And that's the kind of love that secures and disarms selfishness instead of taking and demanding and having rights. Well, you need to do this. That's your duty. That's your responsibility to do that. No, you may have, you may, that may be true. That may be a fact. But what you do with the love of God is give. Well, what if they never give back to me? Then you just keep giving. What if they don't do? You can tell them. Say, I, it, hurt, it hurts my heart. It makes me sad when you do this particular thing because, because it says to me that you uh, don't love me. But whether you give to me or not, I am committed to love you. 
So you can be honest with the way that people are treating you and how it's affecting you, but it ought not to change the way that you give to other people. Praise the Lord. Okay, let's go on to the next psalm. Oh, 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 Ephesians 5, 25. Let's get this. Husbands, in the area of hu in marriage, husbands, this means love your wives just like your father loved your mother. Is that what it says? <laughs> love, husbands love your wives just like they do in that one TV show or just like they did in that one movie. No, our example is not the TV shows, is not the movies, is not the books, is not anybody else but Christ and the church. So, it says this, he gave up his life for her. That's extreme. But that's why we're in here singing and shouting today is because God, pour, through, his, through his son, poured his life out for us. All right? Now, let's go on to, um, let's go on to the next bomb. The third bomb, the fourth bomb is disrespect. Disrespect and the antidote, the deactivating um, truth that deactivates disrespect is honor and respect. Now this particular, um, this particular bomb, I, I have this, I wrote this down. You can love someone, love them, but if you don't show respect and honor, they don't get that message. You can even say, I love you. I love you. Oh, I love you so much. But if you don't show respect and honor, it's like, me, 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 They don't hear love. They don't hear love, okay? So, uh, if you go to... James 3 and verse 17 says, real wisdom, God's wisdom, begins with a holy life and it's characterized by getting along with others. Uh-huh. It's gentle and reasonable, overflowing with mercy and blessing, not only one day, or not hot one day and cold the next, not two-faced, verse 18, you can develop a healthy, robust, robust community, marriage, working relationship, friendship relationship, family relationship that lives right with God and enjoy its results only if you do the hard work. Aren't you glad the Bible's honest? Uh-huh. Of getting along with each other. Now, it tells you how, one way how, treating each other with dignity. Dignity and honor. Now this particular bomb is a little different than the explosive kind like selfishness or anger that leaves shrapnel in people. People's outburst of anger damages them and they become afraid of you and children instead of uh, learning to come to their parents whenever they're in trouble they learn not to come to their parents when they're in trouble to find a friend to find find anybody else find somebody online but don't come to your parents because your parents are going to explode uh, so uh, ang anger drives people away that should be close all right that's one kind of bomb. 
Disrespect is like a chemical warfare. It's like Agent Orange. It leaves us, it, it may not, the damage may not show up immediately, but it starts eating like a, can, a cancer into a relationship. Disrespect. It makes people bitter. And then they start putting little barbs on their words. Disrespect does that. And so, let's look at this. And we're talking about uh, uh, respecting all of our relationships. Let's look at some verses of Scripture about this. Uh, go back to that other one. Uh, it says, getting along, treating each other. Respect needs to be in every relationship we have. Even people we don't know. We treat people with dignity and we treat people with honor. We don't condescend and, and do meanish things to people. Then look at this next one. Next verse. It says, give to everyone what you owe them. Pay your taxes and government fees to those that collect them. Give respect. Give respect. Never says anything about give respect if they earn it. That kind of thing, it sounds nice. You, you, I, you have to earn my respect. Sorry, that's not in the Bible. That's not a Bible verse. You'll not find that in the Bible. You say, well, I just don't have any respect to give them. Well, then get some from God. <laughs> get some respect from God. Find out what God knows about that person. Find some beautiful things from the, from the Lord and give them respect. They don't have to earn it. You give them that. You give them honor and it'll help, help change them. Uh, give respect and honor to those that are in authority. Uh, this has to do with policemen, school teachers. You, uh, you cannot expect to have honor and dignity in your home if you're bashing authorities out of your home. If you're bashing teachers, bashing other kinds of God-given authority, it'll eventually worm its way like termites into the essential relationships of your life. Authority is to be honored, not ridiculed, not scorned, not demeaned, and bring it down. That's not in the Bible. All right, so next verse. Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are leaders in the Lord's work. So we, have a th we, ha we honor each other. We honor people in authority. We honor people who instruct us in the Lord because that instruction infuses our lives. Let's go to the next one. Honor your father and mother. This is a very essential one. Uh, children are to learn respect. Now, you better respect me. You better honor me. But actually, in a culture of honor where in the home we practice words that don't degrade. Now, I'm just, I'll just tell you something. I'm just being completely honest. I've heard, uh, and, uh, I heard a sound in my daughter's voice to their dad, their father. And I went to the Lord about it. I was, well, actually not even going to the Lord about that. I was talking to him about something, you know, something else wonderful in the Lord. And then he started talking to me about the way that my children talk to my husband. And you know what he said? He said, they learned that from you. He said, if you want the tone of your children to be always honorable 
to their father, you better model it. Don't you love how God just goes, shh, 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 and, it, and you say, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Truth helps. Now, go to the next one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself. Uchi, and the wife must respect her husband. So husbands are to lay down their lives for their wives, love, give themselves, no selfishness, not any selfishness. But the Bible specifically says about women that they are to give respect to their husbands. Giving respect to a man opens up the heart of a man to, to God, to the family, and to that mate. Lack of respect in a marriage will close that man's heart. Oh, you can live in the same room, live in the same house, share the same meals, share the same bed, but they'll start being a wedge come between the intimacy if there is not respect. I believe before Jesus comes, there'll be, there'll be women of God that respect their husbands in the highest degree, which will cause their husbands to rise up as magnificent men that God intended them to be. All right? So we, we pour our lives out and we respect. Now, let's go on to uh, something else here. Let us look at the next bomb. How are we going? You see, I'm talking as fast as I can. Uh, the next bomb is the most destructive bomb, and that is unfaithfulness. Now, of course, uh, we go immediately toward marriage in our thinking, and we are going to address that, but unfaithfulness can also be uh, within friendship relationships. It can be within other kinds of relationships. Let's look at this first verse. Slandering others makes you a fool. So when you talk about others and you slander them, you bomb, uh, when you target them, you bomb the relationship. It is unfaithful to a friendship, to a friend, to a child, to siblings, to talk in an ugly way about them. You bomb the relationship. All right, let's go on. Let's look at an, the next verse of Scripture. There are six things that the Lord hates. Okay, we already saw this verse. Let's go to verse 19. So we know that this is in a list of things that God hates. A false witness who pours out lies. And listen, a person who sows discord in a family or in a friendship relationship, people who sow stuff that tears other people apart. <sighs> Back up to verse 16. God hates it. Hates it. God is a reconciler, a restorer. It cost him the life of his son. The blood of his son had to be poured out to reconcile us to the Father. 
things that destroy relationships, things that tear relationships apart, and people that are party with the destroyer to destroy friendship relationships, family relationships, business relationships, are an enemy. They're working with the enemy. Have I ever, has, have I ever worked with the devil? Yes! I didn't mean to. But I have when I've ever talked bad about anybody. We never want to do that. We want to work together with God. Now, let's go on to the next verse of Scripture. Verse 32 says, the man who commits adultery, we're moving towards marriage where faithfulness in marriage is concerned. It says this, a man who commits adultery is an utter fool. So a person who, who bombs any kind of a relationship, friendship relationships, family relationships, is, is a, a slanderer, is a fool. But uh, if, you, if, you, if you tear your own relationship apart in marriage by unfaithfulness, it's called an utter fool. That person destroys not just the relationship, but themselves. Now, let's look at some things uh, about this. Uh, let's look at what 1 Corinthians 6, 18, where un unfaithfulness is concerned. Uh, before we look at that, if you go back to the one before, disrespect and all those other bombs set relationship, marriage relationships up and make them vulnerable to this last bomb. It's like an A-bomb. <laughs> Uh, it, 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 it is um, disrespect unravels things and um, selfishness and lies unravel things. L anger unravels things and, and jeopardizes things and makes a marriage partner vulnerable to somebody who is treating them better. I don't want anybody in this world to treat that man better than me. <laughs> so sometimes I needed to change. I don't want anybody respecting him more than me. And it's showing in my voice. No, he's mine. <laughs> he chased me for so many years. <laughs> he caught me, and I'm so glad he caught me in but I, I'm not losing him. <laughs> so then there's things that I need to do. Sometimes there's some adjustments that I need to do to make stable my relationship with him so that if he sees something else walking down the road, what he's got waiting at home is a whole lot better than what he's got seeing walking down the road. <laughs> That's just the way it is going to be. So, if, so go, go there to... Uh, the next verse. It says, run from sexual sin. Say, run. run! Don't try to flirt with it or see how close you can get to it. Uh, you know, how close you can enter, you know, something is so kind of interesting about that person. Oh, you just have so much fun. Oh, we just kind of get each other. If they're not yours, <laughs> Well, maybe just the, you know, just, just the friendship part, just the, you know, no. Don't put your little foot in. Put your little foot out. Amen? 
Praise God. Friendships are good where, you know, where marriage relationships are good, friendships around, working relationships are good. That's fine. But look at Hebrews, the 13th chapter. I want you to see what this verse of Scripture says. It says, give honor to the, to the marriage. Now, uh, the King James says the marriage bed, which speaks specifically of sex within marriage. The marriage bed is undefiled. In other words, it's pure, it's holy to God, which incidentally, you know, Tony was talking on, on sex. Uh, in the Jewish culture, very close to the way that God thinks, they call uh, the sexual act the most holy act that a human can do because it's through that that we collaborate with the creator in bringing an eternal being into this world. It's incredible. They say it's the most holy act and should be performed on the most holy day. Right after church. No, I'm not kidding. I don't know about right after church, but... So, just saying, just saying. Give honor, but this doesn't say, I like this, it's a little broader than just the bed. This says give honor to marriage, to marriage, which is, does not just take place in the bed. There's a whole life of marriage. It says give honor to it. How do you give honor to it? By putting into practice the things that we looked here. Instead of lies, exercise truth. Instead of selfishness, exercise giving. Be good at giving. Ask God to show you how to get. And if you're receiving from God, you quit demanding so much from a person and you become a giver instead of a gimme, gimme, gimme. I need, I need, I want, I want. You need, you, you should give that to me. No. If you're receiving from God, you're overflowing to give. Amen? Then... If you're honoring the marriage, then you're making sure you're receiving kindness from God, exercising kindness in the, in the tone of voice that you use, which goes into, into respect in the way that you interact, in the way that you look upon, no rolling of eyes and withering <laughs> disgusted looks. Maybe you're not, nothing's coming out your mouth, but there's... <laughs> You know, respect, give honor to the marriage. Remain faithful to one another in marriage. Not just in the bed, in the marriage. Faithful. Like God is faithful to us, even when we're not faithful, he remains faithful still. Faithful. Maybe my marriage has is, is gotten too, too far gone. Oh, guys, today you have to know that hope, just like love cannot fail, there are three things that remain, abide forever. Faith, hope, and love that cannot fail. There's hope for every relationship, hope for every broken friendship. There's hope for every broken family relation. Aren't you thankful today there's hope? Because love cannot fail, there is hope today. Believe in that hope. Put your faith in that hope. 
My marriage hasn't been beautiful or fruitful for a whole long time, you might, might say. Oh, God has a way to raise the dead, to bring back to life what you de- never thought could be beautiful. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at bramer.org.au.